Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Devin, welcome to the show. Uh, you are officially my favorite new school, old school death metal band. Uh, before we get started, I, I need you to make me a promise. Promise mm-hmm. to never, ever, ever change your snare sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the ping is uh, here to stay. It's crucial. Crucial. Mandatory. Absolutely. Well, I guess my my first question is, you know, I feel like, and tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but I feel like with you guys and just sort of the scene that you're part of in general, uh, the reason it really kind of resonates with me is I feel like it's kind of all the good parts of hardcore and death metal how much of an influence is hardcore for you guys and how much of how much do you feel like you belong in the hardcore scene yeah we all do come from a uh hardcore background kind of you know set and cody and our band they're also in the band uh volcano which is like a 90s like new york style hardcore like irate you know uh drew he listens to like bands like gag i, I call it like beer throwing punk and then uh <laughs> i'm actually really big into like crust punk you know i like bands okay. like uh tragedy uh his hero is gone skit system and stuff like that and where's your butt flap <laughs> uh dude i have some like uh cross pants and stuff somewhere i'd have to like oh nice take them out gonna break those out one of these days yeah yeah I used to used to hold them together with a uh, shoestring i used to check this out anytime we blow a hole i used to use a uh, dental floss to like stitch it up that was a uh, I was cruster for a minute. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, especially like growing up and uh, being involved in the DIY scene, uh, house shows and 
hardcore shows and metalcore shows were really the only shows that you can get into if you were, you know, under the age of 18. Right. So we come from that scene because we were, you know, we were as young as like 11 and 12 years old going to shows. So right. that was the scene that we kind of like hopped into. So, yeah. Uh, and as far as hardcore, we, you know, we take what we like. Um, it's a genre. It's a style of music we're all really picky on uh too because not every band does sound the same you know kind of like death metal you it's meat and potatoes a lot of bands you know sound the same and in their own way but yeah yeah definitely uh hardcore strides like with us punk rock uh especially right okay yeah that makes sense and you know i feel like for me i was always kind of like half i like always had like one foot in punk and hardcore and like one foot in death metal i always loved the sound of metal you know but especially back in the 90s you know death metal had a lot of um let's just say uh some of the people could be kind of a bummer uh in the sense of a lot of like you know like legitimately like actually misogynist racist weird people you know like and I, and I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, let's call somebody, you know, racist on Reddit. I mean, like actual, like actual, like gross, weird people. Yeah. So I liked the sound of hardcore or the sound of like death metal, but sort of the culture of hardcore. And I feel like with you guys and a lot of the bands and your sort of scene, you sort of bridge that gap. And it feels like you guys have all created this corner of death metal that's sort of like the best of both worlds. Yeah. From my experience, you know, anyone I've I've met like in the scene and stuff, they've they've been good, you know, stand up people, good moral ground, and they hold themselves to a good standard. So thankfully, I haven't encountered like full blatant like racism or misogyny or anything like that yet, which is cool. But uh, but yeah, you know, uh, we hold ourselves uh to a uh, a certain moral value, and we don't uh we don't let ourselves fall under that. You know, I put put myself to that moral standard. And my friends, even family, you know, and if uh, if I hear anybody like spreading like legitimate hate, then, you know, I'm quick to cut them off and disassociate with them. You know, back in the day, it'd be like, you know, you'd hang out with the guy from some random death metal band that you liked and you'd, you know, he'd give you a ride somewhere and he'd have like, you know, whatever, like a swastika, like hanging from like the rearview mirror of his car. And you're like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look at that. You know, I, I have Jewish heritage and um, I got friends that are like really into black metal. And, you know, I'd start looking at their collection and I'm like, oh, look, right. I don't need to see that. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to look too far. Yeah. The, the other thing I really like about what you guys are doing is for me, a lot of modern death metal of, say, the last 20 years or so gets a little bit too sterile to me, like kind of overproduced and focuses a lot on being technical. And, and I get that. But for me personally, it's like it's not actually enjoyable to listen to and it doesn't feel like pissed off anymore. And so what I like that you guys do is that it's, you know, nasty and it's filthy, but it's still super catchy, almost you know, it, it it almost feels like uh, it's like the Taylor Swift of death metal because it's it's like so catchy and accessible. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Paul Sedoti, Taylor Swift's guitarist. I love that guy, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we like to play an ignorant style of music. And if we were like a progressive death metal band or a technical or melodic death metal band, it really wouldn't be able to 
we wouldn't really be able to broadcast like that that type of theme um with our music so you know we like to keep it short and to the point and then also add in a couple like polka and like mince beads yes to yes get the dancing you know <laughs> I, I was actually specifically going to ask about the polka beat because i feel mm-hmm. like it's it's underrated yeah yeah we like to go full-on like daddy yankee with uh <laughs> music man and it, it it's cool because uh we call it we call it tuba and um this the you know it gets uh it gets the butt shaken and right. uh yeah as you know you want to you want to dance and then all of a sudden you're just like man i'm ready to headbang so hard i catch whiplash ready to go yeah it, it almost kind of yeah. reminds me of like gore grind stuff like gut and cock and ball <laughs> torture which i love yeah man yeah uh especially uh gut and uh, i love C- gut yeah man yeah they're great band and very underrated sounds different they're the one that sounds like more old school swedish death metal mixed with their sound is really cool they also had a sound where they put like hip-hop into it that's my favorite one the comeback i love that yeah. album it's so fucking weird nobody has ever done and it's so fucking strange and i love it i do a little bit but uh cody our, our drummer and engineer especially he comes from a big uh gore grind uh background he was uh he does a one-man project called putrid stew okay where it's all and then uh yeah they even did a split with like fluids and stuff too oh so, nice i'll check that out yeah yeah well it's it's cool because i think you guys are kind of bringing that sensibility to like i'll just say like the brooklyn vegan type people who i think you know probably haven't been exposed to it before yeah no shade to the brooklyn vegan folks just yeah you know. no shade at all Definitely want uh, to bring an underground style of music to the craft beer crowd, and uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We th- we like to uh, like to blend everything that we like and just in kind of one particular package. Like we take uh, the kind of hardcore or metalcore that we like, uh, mixed with like our style of death metal, which usually is like mid nineties to early two thousands, like New York death and brutal death, and then also throw in like gore grind and then throw in like big named uh like metal influences like a gojira or uh you know like the riff styles of like a like a machine head or a pantera and just kind of like dumb it down and put it in all one crazy box and type for people yeah i mean you're saying dumb it down but i, I don't I don't think that's I don't I know you're being modest, but I don't think that's actually fair or accurate to yourselves because like it, it's it's harder to write something that's catchy than it is to just like play as many notes as you possibly can and blast all the time. Like that's like physically difficult to do, but it's not yeah. really it's it's not difficult to write. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, especially us being uh such like nerds about music in general it's so easy for us to think like man is this you know like this is what we want but is it too is it too much for for like the the general population or people like just getting into it is it accessible you know for uh the crowd we're trying to broadcast to and yeah. um you know we're just like man you know less is more sometimes and it it, it, it is hard to, to write like that and uh I like to, uh, but but also at the same token, you know, we even write riffs like, uh, you remember that band Judd Judd? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'll do Judd Judd riffs like in, in my phone and be like, yo, Cody, 
let's, let's write something like this. For those who haven't heard it, it's acapella hardcore band from the 90s. I think it was, was it, wasn't it like Steve and Paul from ASUC or something? Yeah, 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 it was some ASUC guys. And they, uh, yeah, it was uh, acapella straight edge band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually, I, I swear that's a riff of theirs. I think it actually is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and it, it, it is, you know, hard to kind of write like that just because being so nerdy and wanting to go like 320 BPM and shred guitar and sneak in solos. It's like, it's not, it, this isn't really the band for it. This is more of the right. get the people moving, get the fist flying type of stuff. Right. And I think, you know, to that point with a lot of the modern, like super technical stuff, it, it doesn't, even though it is super fast, it doesn't feel fast to me because, you know, it doesn't have the dynamics. Whereas with you guys, when you blast, it actually feels fast. You know what I mean? No, yeah, for sure. I think what that is, is if it's um, like steady, like gravity blasting, like the entire time that air song, um, it gets it gets kind of lost because it's not going anywhere. You know, there's right. no mix fills or uh, uh, pauses or bass breaks or anything like that in between to really catch your attention. So, you know, that's something that, you know, we try to do with every song. There's there's a dynamic there where we're like, all right, here's the blasting section so that people could be like, what the fuck? And then yeah. let's get right back into that beginning riff of play is slower, you know? Cause like, if you listen to a lot of, you know, say like early to mid nineties death metal, they don't actually blast that often. No. Yeah. It, it didn't really become a thing until, uh, maybe mid to late nineties, you know, you had like, uh, brutal death bands, like, you know, mortal decay, right. uh, supplication put out their, uh, Oh, despise the sun EP. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's when they started going like hyperspeed. Yeah, and he starts blasting like crazy. So, um, but yeah, you know, it was more so like just uh, like thrash beats and just like simple, right, simple beats back in the day. And you know, we we like to play on that too. You know, like uh, our our demo, it has a lot of uh, uh, D beat uh, beats and stuff. Okay, I haven't heard the demo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The demo is uh, that was before. That was before Cody like really got into like uh, a lot of more more like brutal bands. You know, I, I kind of like showed him a lot of things that he gravitated towards after that after that EP came out. But you know, he's more of a punk and grind and mathcore kid. So got it. Yeah. So you you, you got him into Mortal Decay, brought him to the yeah. dark side. <laughs> and I got him into like bands like uh, Eternal Suffering, uh, Mortal Decay. You know, you name it. Are you into any of the kind of more like obscure Texas stuff, like prophecy and that that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? Foreseen and Forsaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the? They have that album like keeping it fucking brutal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I think that was their old label, uh, like Ablated Records. They're they're from out in Ohio. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Keeping it fucking sick. Yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I love. I love. Uh, I think Texas as far as like scene wise, you know, there's such, I mean, they're a huge state. They have like the tightest, like death metal scene. Cause yeah. you know, cause they have bands like prophecy, uh, devourment, Mashia, mm -hmm. insidious decrepancy, yep. you know, uh, all that stuff, man. They, 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 they breed, uh, some sick bands there, but yeah, yeah. Texas, Texas and long Island. I don't know why. Yeah. A few Midwest bands. And then you yeah, have long Island bands, like, uh, you know, dehumanized, uh, Malamore, disfigured, yeah, suffocation, 
bleeding, all Did, that shit. You ever get into repudiation? Yeah, repudiation. Yeah, of course, from New Jersey. Uh, they're from Long Island, I think. But yeah, close enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That band's uh, that band's really fucking cool, man. Their demo's really sick. Yeah, love that stuff. I'm glad that you guys are, are bringing it you know, to, to the masses. And I think it's really, you guys have done that as far as like bringing that kind of sound and sensibility and stuff to the craft beer crowd. Um, and that's, uh, that's not that I, I never thought I would see the day, but here it is. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I don't know, man, the way I think about it is like, it's almost like a timeline thing, you know, uh, a couple years ago, like the Swedish death metal hardcore crossover mm-hmm. was kind of like you had a lot of the HM2 clone bands, right? And I think it it was the only follow suit. Like you already covered like the late eighties. Right. Now that is like, you know, the early to mid nineties kind of just it just takes them twenty-five years or so to catch up, but they'll get there. Yeah, man. I it's crazy. I think yeah, everything has like a resurgence, you know. Uh now people are wearing high top shoes and big pit viper glasses. And <laughs> that's right. Like yeah, I'm waiting for a Morton Downey uh junior interview. Right. <laughs> Any day. <laughs> Uh, Any day. I, I also like that you guys have a sense of humor. Um, Arch Spire is another band that does that. And it just sort of like shows that, you know, you can have fun with this stuff and that death metal can be, you know, that you can have fun and that doesn't make your music any less respectable or less legit. And, you know, it doesn't make you like a joke band. Where, where does that come from? And, you know, do people ever like get upset because jokes aren't metal? Yeah. People do uh, raise a stink about it sometimes, but it's like, <laughs> why are you mad? <laughs> like, you know, uh, right. As far as music, you know, we we stick to the same formula, but, you know, with uh, merchandise or social media presence or talking to us, you know, we let our personality shine through because we're not serial killers like our lyrics <laughs> would make us out to be. You know, we're uh, we're, you know, one of us is a a family man has, has a kid he's raising. And then, uh, you know, Cody is like really connected into his family he hangs out with his mom literally every day and then uh definitely not metal yeah yeah my my girlfriend has uh a degree in liberal arts and women's studies so i'm not allowed to be a misogynist <laughs> you know so uh yeah and uh yeah people do get us think about it where, where it comes from is just you know being a dude being raised up on uh subterranean like jackass and beavis and butthead shit and you know, I also have a uh, background in uh, stand-up comedy. Um, okay. Yep, I've I've been doing I've done open mics for a few years. Um, I've performed like in you know in Columbus, Cincinnati uh, stand-up circuit, and uh, I did like two shows in Cleveland before I started like touring full time with my band. But yeah, most of the most of like the lowbrow like joking stuff is just us like shooting the shit and trying to be funny, and then. When it comes time to look like, hey, we need something for this or that, it's like, well, y'all like that one thing I had, and it's like, I thought that was a joke. I was like, do you want to run with it anyways? You know, so yeah, we're just not really serious uh, dudes altogether. Yeah, but it doesn't. I think what people don't understand or don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with a lot of these metal people. It's like they're very like just sort of one note. It's like you have to be the metal guy at all times and all situations and. You know, that's like human beings are multifaceted people. You don't have to be just, you know, the one guy at all times. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's that de- I mean, it's definitely something, you know, we do kind of turn on and off. Um, like a Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde, but it's uh, you know, like when it's when it's on stage, when we're lo- loading in and stuff, it's all business. 
you know, when we're performing, it's all serious. But, you know, even my banter in between songs, like, I like to stop songs and, like, be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. And then go right into a guttural and then we come right back or make jokes. I remember I was uh, in Poland. I, I, I was singing Jump by Van Halen <laughs> to someone in the crowd. And he didn't know. I, he had no clue what I was doing. And I just started pointing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, we like to have fun. But, you know. I think that just comes uh, hand in hand with being an ignorant style of music is like we could play like hard hitting shit and then I could call you a chump or make fun of you or make fun of myself. And it's all in good fun. I think you should do a whole set in character as Will Romer from Mortician. <laughs> Dude, he's uh that's not a character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I saw. I don't know if he lived in Cleveland or something, but I saw him for a while at shows there and uh, mm -hmm. definitely not a character. Yeah, what's up, man? Will from Mortician. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you live in Cleveland for a minute? Is that where you saw Yeah, 96 to 99. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, so I saw like Nunslaughter and Embalmer and all that stuff. Decrepit. Yep. Yeah, they were great. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where 
There's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too, to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. You know, I grew up in Seattle, um, which basically had zero metal scene and still does have zero metal scene. And uh, and then I moved to Cleveland. And uh, that's when I, I, do you remember that band Odious Sanction by any chance? Yeah, Steve Shalady from Immolation. That was his band. Yeah, so the drummer of Odious Sanction was like super cool and got me into a lot of, so he got me into like Deeds of Flesh and all that kind of stuff. And it was just oh, like, it was cool to actually be able to see some of these bands that I sort of knew about, but there was just like zero scene in Seattle back then. And it was, uh, you know, Cleveland, not my favorite place in the world, but uh, the metal scene at the time was fucking awesome. So I got to see all those bands, you know, at the old fantasy yeah. and stuff. And it was really cool. Fantasy, man. Yeah. And the, uh, the Flying Machine and uh, mm-hmm. Lorraine. Yep. And then uh yeah, Parma. Parma has a lot of had a lot of cool bands too. Yeah, I I uh for years, man, I was going to uh uh Lakewood. Um and then I was going to East Cleveland of all places uh to practice with bands and start bands and stuff too cuz they've always had such a uh, rich scene. Yeah, and you know Mike uh Mike Hamilton from Deeds of Flesh, he lives there now. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, man. And yeah, Cleveland uh as far as like Ohio in general, um, as far as like Ohio bands, they they're the spot that had like the bands that I gravitated towards a lot. And you know, they also had uh the, the Ohio Death Fest. Yep. It was in ninety-eight. I think that was maybe like the second or third one or something. I went to that one. I think it was the second one. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh uh Cryptopsy, Deeds of Flesh, Mortician, Dead In, all those bands played that. Yep. I yeah, I saw I remember seeing Dead In and I think Moral Decay played that one too. And um internal internal bleeding. That was a good one. I mean, what a what a fucking cool time for death. I feel like I just got to see it at the absolute perfect moment. Yeah, man. And you know, and I talked to uh I talked to Brian who organized that fest a, a lot. You know, uh I started going to shows in Cleveland when I was like 16 and 17, as soon as I could drive. Yeah. I was like Devourment Dying Fetus at, the, at Peabody's, I'm there, you know. So, uh, I skipped school the next day, but yeah. uh, he kind of took me under his wing, man. And, you know, I used to, I, I got to see like all those flyers and stuff. And I was like, damn, had I been born like 10 years prior, you know, like been there. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. yeah and then seeing those bands for like, you know, I, I saw some of the flyers, it was like 15 bucks a day or something like that. And it's like, how, you know, like, uh, I'm sure nobody made a penny. Right. And then uh, 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 Dan, who uh, a, f- a friend of mine who played drums in regurgitation, mm-hmm. he was like, dude, Dying Fetus played literally my backyard for a hundred bucks, man. <laughs> and like, that's insane. You know, I've had people tell me they saw Dying Fetus in a basement. And I'm just yeah. like, that's crazy. The 90s, uh, if I had a DeLorean, I'd gun it, I'd gun it to 90, 94, 95 for real. Yeah, I mean, it was the 90s were a great time for death metal. And it's uh, it's interesting to see, like you were saying before, that people start to kind of appreciate that era because, I mean, 
you know, nobody really gave a shit about devourment back then. Like, I love them. I mean, I, like, I, I know them. I think they're awesome bands. So that's like no shade towards them at all. It's just like, I noticed maybe about five years ago, people started to sort of pick up on devourment. It's like, I, I wish that happened 20 years earlier, but better late than never. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Early in the 2000s, too, you know, there were a lot of bands that were kind of not blatantly like plagiarizing, but kind of biting their sound a little bit. Sure. When you had bands like Condemned and Sepulotrips yeah. and stuff like that from San Diego. Yeah. Um, it was basically like, let's be devourment and disconformity, like rolled in one. And all these slam bands, man, they, if you're in a slam band, especially like, a, you know, like hip hop looking, like, <laughs> and you're not nodding your, your hat to, or ever heard of, uh, internal bleeding and devourment you're doing yourself a disservice internal bleeding actually the creators of the term slam absolutely yeah they're uh they're the ones that coined it the actual ogs mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that shit still holds up in my book i don't know i mean it's like slam is it's, it's just so interesting to see people care about slam now because i mean it was just like only the most like just um I don't know the right way to put it. Just total basement porn collector weirdos cared about <laughs> slam for the yeah. longest time. And now like hardcore kids like it and deathcore kids and stuff, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it, it still is sort of hard for me to believe that there's anybody else on the planet that knows who disconformity is, you know? Yeah, man. I think what it, what it comes down to is like with early deathcore becoming like so big and you have bands like animosity despised icon, uh, suicide silence who had breakdowns and then a lot of these hardcore kids are getting really into like beatdown bands which is yeah. basically in its own way like slam with punk beat drums yeah. and more audible vocals and it's just like what's more ignorant and hard harder than that and uh that's slam yeah i always felt like if you like bulldoze you should like cerebral incubation oh yeah dude i'm seeing the uh the uh the bulldoze like memorial set this weekend actually Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. They sound good. Uh, I was talking to uh, Chris, the drummer, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, different lineup. It's basically like Agents of Man now um, is is essentially like it's Puda from Agents of Man as the vocalist now and stuff. They sound great. And uh, again, happy that people, you know, finally are kind of catching on to Bulldoze uh, 20 years late, but better late than never. For sure. Yeah, I, dude, I'm, I'm stoked to see... Uh... I haven't seen TUI since I was in eighth grade. So I get to see uh, TUI, uh, Bulldoze. Um, well, I think Crown of Thorns is on that. So I get to see. Uh, oh, nice. Danny Diablo. Bring your mouth guard for that one. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm going to show up in all pads. Full, full gear. Cleveland hardcore scene in the 90s was also awesome. I saw every band come through because, you know, like Seattle. Bands just wouldn't even play Seattle back then because it was a small market and the routing sucks. Like the only city that's even somewhat close is Portland, you know, and other than that, like it's Idaho, Montana, you know, there's like nothing close to Seattle. So a lot of bands just wouldn't play. And maybe twice a year, you know, Earth Crisis or VOD or something would come through, maybe. Um, and so I didn't get to see any of those bands until I moved to Cleveland. And then I saw all of them. And uh, definitely like very different. I mean, there was at least one fight at every single show I went to in Cleveland. Yeah, man. In the nineties, at least. Seen uh, growing up, you know, that's, uh, I've seen a lot of dude was uh, Coldest Life, uh, Ringworm, 
yeah uh, integrity um <laughs> uh and, and and columbus we're actually known for having a pit boss so uh-huh yeah i saw them i saw them on valentine's day of 1998 that was my uh <laughs> gnarly gnarly i can only great way to spend valentine's day staying on stage on a on a day like valentine's day i don't remember but, but i'm sure it was uh i'm sure yeah. it's very special <laughs> yeah man so you know um ohio is uh a big melting pot of uh metal and 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 hardcore and what's cool now is like those scenes aren't aren't just really crossing over it's um it's it's working really well like people are getting along with each other you know people aren't really that mad when they see someone crowd killing believe it or not you know it's kind of you, you have someone raise a stink about it here yeah. and there but it's like what are you gonna do man like let the let the kids have their fun man people ask me about that a lot and it's like i totally understand if you don't want to get crowd killed like i completely get that i don't want to get crowd killed either that's why i just stay out of the way and if you think it's stupid, I understand that too, but it's just, that's just what happens at a hardcore show. Yeah. It's just what it is for sure. You know, right or wrong. And I, but I, you know, I think if, uh, you know, if anyone wants to like fight or be up in arms about it, it's like, well then who's really the asshole there. Right. Exactly. That's the same token. Like I get, I get both sides, both sides of the coin. It's yeah. just, uh, that's what ignorant music, you know, does. It brings out the craziness in people and, What's cool, man, is, you know, playing death metal and because I, I used to watch like Napalm Death's like live corruption. Yeah. I'd be like, damn, people were stage diving to a death metal band. I've never seen that, you know, and because they were really a hardcore band. Exactly. And then like we we started playing and I think it was just because of, uh, you know, who we know, like our friends coming to shows. It was just like, damn, this is this is cool. Like we can we could stage dive and stuff to this yeah. and now. Now Ohio's got like mixed bills. We got hardcore bands uh, playing with death metal bands. Like you know, you know, in New York, you could see All Out War with Internal Bleeding. You could see Sworn right. Enemy supporting Dying Fetus or Dehumanized or something. And it's like over there, it made sense, and because they've been doing it for so long. But now we're starting to do it here, and people are uh, people are fucking with it. You know, the scene the scene here's grown a lot, especially in the last like uh, I mean like a year before COVID and, you know, the last, like the last like year, it's really been growing a lot here. Well, that's cool to hear because the issue in the past was always when hardcore bands would play with metal bands, the metal people kind of didn't really get hardcore. Their cigarette break band. Well, yeah, that, or they would get upset that people were dancing and they would, you know, maybe pick a fight with the wrong person and get smashed. Yeah. And, you know, it just sucks seeing some metal guy who doesn't understand what's happening, get the shit kicked out of him by five hardcore dudes, you know, on the other hand, maybe they shouldn't have run their mouth to the wrong person. And it's just, it just, it shouldn't happen, you know, but it would yeah. happen all the time just because the metal people didn't really get it. And, uh, if that's not the case anymore, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I've still been going to shows every chance I get, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but you know, um, cause I feel like, I feel like also everyone is getting into it too. Like in, in, in the scene, you know, you have the, the old heads that are true, uh, black and white to, to metal. They'll either distance themselves from that kind of stuff or they, they won't come to the show, but yeah, which is fine. You know, if it's not yeah. your thing, don't go. Yeah. Just as long as like shit's not started, man. Cause you know, the, an, an important thing 
in uh, you know your DIY scene is it's communal. You know, it's uh, be it Scott Vogel says it best, man. Be a community, not a commodity. Be right. brother and sister with each other. Don't don't look at each other as if like they're a target or they're in your way or they're they're taking up space and breathing up your air. You know, like y'all are here because you fuck with this same style of music and just because it moves something a certain way, that doesn't mean they need to get decked. And right. If you get hit by accident, you can uh, reciprocate it in any way you want. Just try not to bring actual full fledged violence. Right. And it's where it doesn't need to be. I, I used to live in uh, Cincinnati also at kind of the, the peak of Cincinnati being really crazy. Cincinnati hardcore being super crazy. And uh, mm-hmm. going to shows there was interesting. I saw like Suicide Silence with uh, like Machine Head or something. I don't remember what it was, but like the the metal people there just sort of understood that if you saw people there with short hair that dressed kind of normal, just stay out of the way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it worked. They're just like, we don't really understand what's wrong with those guys, but we know that you don't want any part of that. So just stay out of their way and it'll be fine. For sure, man. Yeah, it's uh. I mean, heck, I remember being as young as like 14 and seeing uh, <laughs> seeing like conducting from the grave and like impending doom at a church of all <laughs> places, full fledged venue and just see people start swinging on each other. Right. I'm just like, man, I feel like if I got in that, like someone would catch a charge. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, the, some of them would, did. Yeah, yeah. That, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of, I don't know, funny to like talk about that stuff, but it actually sucks seeing somebody who just doesn't understand what's happening, get their nose shattered or something. You know, if, if someone, if you know what you're getting yourself into and you're dancing and you get kicked in the face and, you know, break your nose, it's like, well, you know what, you know, you know what you were signing up for. Um, Yeah. But it's a bummer when someone doesn't get it and that's sort of what i don't like seeing it's like someone who just doesn't understand what's happening get actually hurt yeah and 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 that happens man and you know like uh thankfully like we've had people that are you know nice enough to be like yo i'm really sorry do i do you need you know medical attention do i need to take you somewhere and things like that because we've you know we've also played like tight areas where people are you know shoulder to shoulder with each other so it's like how can you escape that you know right, and right i watched this guy he he was doing this like it looked like a backstroke <laughs> and uh this guy was behind him and he's just doing this and all of a sudden i see the dude like go down because he dropped his glasses so as soon as he goes down uh, he gets a bow in the face and his nose just it's gushing like crazy and we're just like uh do we stop you know so um you know people uh you got to also remember like people are, are are looking out for each other too so you know if you jump the gun and start swinging on somebody just because they're moshing hard you don't know how someone else is going to reciprocate that like we've had uh, the last time we we played cincinnati uh we had uh i won't give out names because I, I know damn well they they love <laughs> And so they're, I'm not gonna, but we know them. Yeah. But, uh, 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 one of our, one of our friends, um, drop kicked someone in the face, like mid song because they started swinging on another friend. Someone started swinging on another friend of ours 
And it's just like, now that dude's like needs attention. He's probably going to be taken out in the squad and we can't, we don't, we don't want that kind of like dirt on us or blood on our hands. So, you know, try to, you don't have to keep your hands to yourselves, but you know, keep your hands at a respectable, respectable level, I guess. Maybe you should give up boxing gloves. Like when Amir made their boxing gloves. That's funny as hell. <laughs> Maybe that's the way to go. <laughs> you know, have a, have a ref, bring a ref with you. <laughs> Separate people, give them a standing eight count. Hell yeah. Uh, well, a couple more questions for you. Um, one thing on the topic of the snare, same thing. You have one of the most ridiculous logos of all time, but but it kind of works. Any thoughts on selling out and having a readable logo, or are you going to stay slam? Yeah, well, we're going to stay a legible logo as, as we possibly can. We we did do a rare like crew neck that had a wild style uh, graffiti logo because oh, okay. we were like LDB and we were you know, also playing with uh, Terror and, and Kublai Khan and Pain of Truth. So we were like, we need some hardcore merch. So we did. Right. What's the cool The cool thing about graf- wild style graffiti is it's still... You can't read it. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of it, it kind of worked for that. And, you know, if we'll do we'll do renditions. Like we did, uh, was it Divine, Divine Intervention? That, that weird Slayer logo yeah. that has like points. We did do something with that on a tour shirt. It was like our first ever tour we did. Just to kind of like be funny and it set it on the back. But uh now like um if it grows bigger and you know, even if you see us like on an arena marquee, <laughs> we're still gonna rock that logo. It'll I, I feel like it would look really cool on a jumbotron or something. <laughs> Keeping it fucking sick. That's right. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, the uh the arenas, the word on the street is that you guys are the next the next uh hype band. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. What do you think? Are you going to blow up? It does seem like you're on a little bit of a wave here. And it seems like, you know, this kind of music does have potential to be bigger than it has been, you know, maybe ever. What do you think? I never really put things in that perspective, man. We're all really humble dudes. You know, we're all, I don't realize how, how much attention or uh, if people really fuck with it until we get on stage, you know, and I see people go off, but uh, if we're ever to get there, that's dope. You know, I, I guess that would be like a, a goal of ours. You know, we definitely want, you know, we keep supporting death metal and, and the underground. We definitely want it to be more exposed. And we want we want bands or like our peers and our friends to come up along with us, like 200 stab wounds on death and so forth. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be sick. You know, anytime someone compares me to like Corpse Grinder or Frank Mullen, I'm just like, that's blasphemy in my world like i'm not those are gods i'm not a i'm not a god you know you gotta get your uh frank mullen chop yeah yeah there you go he's the man i will plant that flag and say that he is the sickest death metal vocalist and front man of all he's a beast sounds a hundred percent as good live as he does recorded which is super rare yeah man and still you know i saw i saw them uh two dates at that farewell tour and uh still man even, you know, he, he probably, I don't know how, how much he rehearsed, but for him to talk like, with suffocation from fucking Island, New York, this song is called In Trails of You, and then go right into like the hardest shit you've ever heard. Yeah. And it's like, 
how did that how did you go straight from like mobster goon to <laughs> possess cookie monster like out of nowhere that's sick power of frank mullen yeah channeling all the chakra of long island yeah into his body right there that's what it is so there we go cool well i will let you go thank you very much for uh your time and uh definitely keep in touch happy to help however i can appreciate it finn always good talking to you, man. take it easy take care All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.